Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we are in a series this summer, we're calling it uh, What Jesus Said About That, and looking at a lot of different topics and, and things that Jesus talked about um, for us who are his followers. And uh, today we're talking about what Jesus said about worry. So um, I'm going to start with uh, actually Penn State University. Um, researchers there came up with the Penn State Worry Questionnaire. So uh, get out a piece of paper, get out a pen. Um, if you want to use the Northgate app, I um, encourage you to do that. You can actually keep, uh, if you go to the sermon notes section on the Northgate app, there's actually the blanks to fill in. You can do it right there on your smartphone or on your tablet. So uh, make use of that. There's a little space for notes as well. Um, so if you want to use that, that's fine. But everybody get ready because here's the deal. This is on a scale of one to five. Okay. I'm going to read 16 different statements and then you're going to write down on your paper what your score is. Okay. So on a scale of one to five, one being not at all typical of me, five being very typical of me. And then anything in between there, where you fit on each of the scales in response to these statements, okay? So 16 different statements. Here you go. First one. If I do not have enough time to do everything, I worry about it. Not typical of you at all. That's a one. If that very much describes you, that's a five, okay? Second one. My worries sometimes overwhelm me. Not at all typical one. Very typical five. Three, I have a tendency to worry about things. Four, uh, many situations cause me to worry. Number five, I know I shouldn't worry about things, but I just can't help it. Number six, when I am under pressure, I worry a lot. Number seven. I am always worrying about something. <laughs> Number eight, I find it difficult to dismiss worrisome thoughts. Number nine, as soon as I finish one task, I start to worry about everything else I have to do. Number 10, I worry about just about anything. Number 11, when there's nothing more that I can do about a concern, I still worry about it. Number 12, I have been a worrier all my life. 13, I often notice that I have been worrying about things. 14, once I start worrying, I can't stop. 15, I worry all the time. And the last one, I worry about projects until they are completed. Okay? So scale of one to five on all those. Now, total up your score. Okay? Do a quick, you know, use your calculator if you can't do it in your head. Use the calculator on your phone. All right, here we go. This is kind of how it breaks down. If you scored 34 or less, you worry less than the average person. Okay, you're doing really, really good. If you're 34 or less, you know, you're doing great. 35 to 61. If your score was in the 35 to 61 range, your worry level is about average for just about everybody else. You could do better, but that's about average. Okay, most people are in that 35 to 61 range. 
62 to 80, you have a higher than average worry quotient, and you may suffer from generalized anxiety disorder. Make an appointment with your doctor tomorrow, okay? I actually had a couple last night um, after the Saturday night service, and they said, you know, we are like at opposite ends of that spectrum. I was up at 80, and he's like down 10, you know? And she said, she said actually, I worry about him because he doesn't worry enough, you know? That's kind of, uh, that's where she was at. So today we're going to talk about what Jesus said about worry. And there's, there's a lot of things to worry about. Look around in our world, stuff that's going on in our world, and you're just going, man, there's a lot of stuff to worry about. Is Iran going to get nuclear capability? Are they going to develop a nuclear arsenal? That's a worry. Is the bailout of the Greek economy going to affect my 401k? That's a worry, you know? Um, uh, will interest rates be going up this year, or are they going to stay low? We can worry about this stuff. And then, of course, there's the personal worries, like, am, are my kids going to get into the right school? Am I going to have enough money saved up for retirement? How in the world are we going to afford our kids college tuition? Okay, those are those personal words. Am I ever going to meet Mr. Right or Ms. Right? Am I ever going to find that person? I've been so single for so long. I just want to know somebody. I want to be with somebody. And you worry about that. It's pretty common. In fact, it may not surprise you to hear that worry has been around just about as long as human beings have been around. As long as there have been human beings, there have been worriers. And, and it's, it's centuries old. 2,000 years ago, this is what Jesus said. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Now, 2,000 years ago, he was speaking to people whose worries are a whole lot different than ours. When you talked about worrying about what you would eat and what you would drink, that was a very real concern for them back then. What they were going to wear, um, where they were going to live, what they, all that. That was very real concerns. In fact, if you could transport a first century Christ follower up to the 21st century, and they visited your house and looked in your closet, or in your refrigerator, or your pantry, or, or went over and just opened the tap and got a drink of water, they would look at you and say, you must not have any worries at all. And then you would say, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> and you go down the laundry list. Because time has moved on, and, and technology has certainly changed things, and, and our, our lifestyle has certainly improved, but we still continue to worry. And so what Jesus said 2,000 years ago actually is applicable right to today. So we're going to look at what did Jesus say about worry. And we're going to look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, if you want to turn there, beginning in verse 25. It's actually part of his sermon on the mount. This is what Jesus said about worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worry add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, 
And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, three times in that little two-paragraph, three-paragraph talk, Jesus said three times, do not worry. To which every one of us said, that's easy for you to say. Because <laughs> you don't know my life. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the problems that I'm dealing with. It's easy for you to say, don't worry. But that's like telling me, don't think about something. The minute you tell me not to think about it, that's the only thing that's in my brain. But when Jesus says, do not worry, when he makes it a command, the implication there is that you and I actually have a choice. You get to decide, I get to decide whether or not I'm going to worry. We have a choice in the matter. And, and, and what's interesting is Jesus doesn't just say, stop it. What he does is he wants to help us learn how to stop worrying. And he does it. This is the genius of Jesus. He's so insightful. The way that he did it was he just posed a bunch of questions. Because he could have just said, stop worrying. I command you, stop worrying. But he doesn't do that. What he does is he asks the series of questions. Because what he's doing is he's making us stop and take a look at our worrying. He raises all these questions because he wants us to focus in on why is it that you worry? And answering these questions will give us a great deal of help in learning how to stop worrying. So that's what we're going to look at together, how you can win over worry. And it starts with this idea. Do whatever it is that you can do. Just do whatever it is that you can do. See, too often we spend our time worrying about things that we could actually do something about. We could actually do something about it, but instead, we worry about it. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, Jesus is not advocating irresponsibility here. He's not saying, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. It's all going to work out in the end. He's not saying, don't bother planning, don't bother working, don't bother saving. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, look at how God cares for his creation. Look at how your heavenly father is intimately involved in creation. Look at the birds of the air. These animals that cannot help themselves, they can do nothing to really improve their situation in life. They're pretty much helpless. All the bird knows is he's flying overhead. He sees a worm or a bug on the ground, and that's dinner. Shroom, down and grab it, okay? Sees a piece of string somewhere. Says, oh, I can build a house with that. Gets a piece of string. Built a street tree house. And then has babies. And then when the babies are, are growing up, they just push them out of the nest. Just push them out. Like, how dumb is that? Actually, that's maybe not quite so dumb after all. But, <laughs> but he says, look at these birds. They can do nothing about themselves. They don't know enough to plan for the future. They don't know how to plan for the future. They, you know, one of them just decides, hey, I think I'll go south. And everybody gets in line and they all follow him down south. These, these birds can do nothing for themselves. And yet, your heavenly father cares for them. He is intimately involved in his creation. He didn't just put things together and then go off somewhere in a corner to see how it all works out. He says he is intimately, he feeds the birds of the air. He goes on, he says, see the flowers of the field, how they grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's saying God takes care of birds, dumb birds who can't take care of themselves. God 
God takes care of the wildflowers that nobody planted and nobody watered and nobody, nobody hoed and worked the soil for. They just grew up and then they disappear. But God cares about them. And then he says this. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, what he's doing is he's making a contrast. And you find this all the way through the whole thing. Over and over, you're going to see this much more or more than. In fact, you might circle it on the outline every time you see that. It says, are you not much more valuable than they? God created you and me differently than the birds and the flowers and the grass. He created us with the ability to do something. And so when he is setting up this contrast, he says, listen, when it comes to worrying, your worrying isn't going to make anything better, but you could do something about it. You spend all of your time worrying about it. He says, instead of, instead of worrying about it, you have a distinct advantage. You could do something about it. So do what it is that you can do. Instead of worrying about that presentation that you have to make tomorrow morning, go home this afternoon and finish preparing for it. You know, instead of worrying about that final exam that's coming up, study for it. Instead of worrying about your retirement and whether you're going to have enough, start saving for it. There are some things that you can do. So do whatever it is that you can do. Worry, really, worry is a distorted form of the emotion of fear. That's what it is. It is a drawn out, protracted distortion of something that God created us with. God gave us this emotion of fear. Do you know why? For our protection. When, when you come up against a dangerous situation or, or, or you find yourself in a, in, in a perilous situation, what happens is your amygdala takes over. And before you even start thinking about it, your body starts making all kinds of changes. That's what it does. God designed you that way. When there is a threat, when there is a perceived danger, when something comes up, God has designed your body that all kinds of things happen. The amygdala takes over. One of the things it does is it stops. It gets all the blood that's going to your digestive system and takes it and pumps it all right to the heart. It gets the heart pumping faster so that blood and oxygen can get to the muscle so you can run, so you can get away, or so you can stand and fight. All of those things. The adrenal gland starts secreting adrenaline so that you've got this energy and power that you didn't have normally. All of those things happen in a moment. When you're faced with the fear, God designed you that way so you could either fight or flight. What happens when you worry is all of those physiological things happen, but you do nothing about it. And what ends up happening is you start stewing literally in your own juices. <laughs> That's what's going on. And what that does over, over time to your body what it does to your emotional well-being, what it does to your physical and, and mental well-being, it, 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 is, it, is like, it is like getting in your car, putting your foot firmly on the brake, putting the car in, in gear, and then mashing down the gas pedal and revving the engine as fast as you can. Because you were designed to do something. That's what fear is designed to help you do. But you're not doing anything. You're worrying. And so what you're doing is you're going to wear down that engine. Same thing happens to your body. Worry, what worry does is it hijacks our emotions. And it short circuits the process and the purpose of that fear emotion that God gave us. Read this week, this quote said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> and so one of the first things you said, listen, if you're going to deal with worry in your life, one of the first things is just do what it is that you can do. 
Instead of worrying about it, just ask, what can I do to change the situation? And then do what it is that you can do. Then the second thing is give over to God what you cannot do. Because you're not going to be able to do everything. More often than not, you're worrying because this is something that's overwhelming to you. So one of the next things is you need to be able to distinguish what can I do and what can I not do. In fact, it's one of the things very often in counseling situations um, where I'll have uh, someone come in and their spouse has decided to leave them or wants a divorce or wants a separation. And they don't know what to do and, and come in for counseling. My, my wife's leaving. My husband's leaving me. And, and one of the first things that we do in a counseling situation is I just say, listen, what you need to understand is there are some things you have control over and there's some things you have no control over. You cannot control the decisions that your spouse is making right now. You have no control over what she's going to do, what he's going to do. You've got no control over that, but you do have control over your reactions. You do have control over how you handle all of this. So let's talk about what you can do. See, there are some things that are going to be beyond your control. And what happens is we fool ourselves into thinking that by worrying about it, somehow I'm doing something about it. And you're not. So that's why Jesus asked this question. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? That's a good question to ask. How many here by show of hands could say, yeah, by worrying, I could add an hour to my life. How about how many here would say, by worrying, I'm pretty sure I've taken a couple hours off of my life. Yeah, that's more the reality. Because that whole process, over a period of time, it starts to break down. And the stress and the pressures of worry have been linked to hypertension, coronary disease, digestive illnesses, mental illness, and depression. That's the toll that it takes. And, and even if there were not that, the time that you spent worrying has wasted an hour of your life. It's a, it's a very important question. I was reading I, a lot of research this week. I was reading this one article on, on how to deal with worry. And, and this one psychologist suggested this. Set aside 15 minutes a day to do all of your worrying. Just don't worry, but then set aside 15 minutes each day and then do all the worrying you can possibly do in 15 minutes. And then, you know, just get it out of your system. Worry, 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 15 minutes. And at the end of 15 minutes, just stop. Yeah. It never fully explained how you stop after you've been doing it for 15 minutes. How do you stop that train once it starts rolling? That's not the answer. He says, listen, what you got to understand is God cares much more about you than you do. See, sometimes we think if I'm not worrying about it, then it means I don't care. And that's not the truth. The truth is when I decide not to worry, what I'm realizing is that God cares much more than I do. And that's what he says. That's what Jesus said. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more, there it is again, circle it, much more clothe you, you of little faith. Much more. God cares much more. So give over to him the things that you cannot control. The things you can do Nothing about the way that you do that. God has given this incredible privilege called prayer. And in essence, that's what prayer becomes. That I am giving over to God the things that I can't really control anyway. That I am acknowledging that this is beyond me and I can do nothing about it. And because I cannot do nothing, anything about it, I'm going to turn over the controls of this situation to someone who can. 
That's really the essence of our prayers. Max Lucado tells a story of a wealthy man, um, but just with his wealth came all kinds of worries, business worries, financial worries, all these kinds of things. And, and he just, he, it, was just, it was tearing him up. And so he decided what he needed to do was hire a professional worrier. So he actually went out, hired a guy, and just told him, okay, I, 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 worry is just consuming me. So here's the deal. I will pay you $200,000 a year if every time I start to worry, I just talk to you, I put it in your hands, and you do all the worrying for me. You guys, $200,000 a year, that's a great deal. Sure, I can worry for $200,000 a year. So he said, yeah, I'll take the job. He hired him. First thing the guy asked him after he even hired him, so where are you going to get $200,000 a year? I said, well, that's your worry. Uh, when you turn it over to God, you're turning it over to someone who can actually do something about it. Because he does, that's what Jesus keeps saying. Aren't you worth much more than birds? Aren't you worth much more than flowers? The answer to that is, of course. Worry really is prayer in reverse. When I worry, my problems become bigger than they really are. When I pray, they become smaller. And that's what you just, just a little bit earlier in his Sermon on the Mount, just a couple of paragraphs up, he talks about how to pray. And one of the things he teaches us to pray is, give us this day our daily bread. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. If it's beyond you, then just pray. See, that's, that's the incredible privilege. What we're doing is, we're turning over the controls of things that we cannot control anyway. So here's a suggestion for you. This week, if you really struggle with worry, if you've got a particular issue going on in your life that you are just consumed with, here's some things. Start each day declaring your trust in God. Just start the day with a, just a short time of prayer. Just, if nothing else, just long enough to be able to say, God, Today, I'm going to come across things that I'm not going to be prepared for. There are going to be things that go on in my life that I don't know what's going to happen. I am starting the day saying I'm putting it in your hands so that when it comes up, I'm going to remember I've already turned this over to you. Just start your day declaring your trust in him. And then at the end of the day, same thing, end with prayer. And just unload on him all the concerns and worries that you picked up during that day. And just say, God... I can't do anything about this. I can't do anything about that. And it's just going to keep me up all night if I worry about it. So I'm turning it over to you again. And, and if you have difficulty with that, I would suggest reading the passage that we're looking at today. And just ask yourself those questions. When you start worrying about something, and, and it's just all consuming you, you think, oh, just say, wait a minute. Doesn't God care for me much more than the birds of the air? When you find yourself worrying about all this, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. If I worry for this, is this going to add one hour to my life? You just ask yourself the questions that Jesus raises. You find the answer to it is, I can let go of this. And then the last thing is this. No matter what happens, trust God. No matter what happens, trust God. See, the things that you worry about, Reveal where you're putting your trust. Let's think about this. What I am doing when I'm worrying is I am putting my trust that if this situation changes, if that person comes through, if this outcome occurs or, or that event happens, then my life will be fine. 
Because see, that's the one thing, that's the two things, whatever it is, those are the things that, 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 that are, are defining my life right now. But if those things all worked out, then everything would be fine. And what you are doing is you're literally, you are putting your trust into that outcome or that person or that event. And it is not able to carry that load. You're putting your faith in the wrong thing. Here, let me give you an example of that. Pastoral confession. I will never worry about your job. I know, sounds callous, but truthfully, I will never worry about your job. I will never worry about your kids graduating high school. I will never worry about how you're going to pay the tuition. I will never worry about your retirement. Because I'm not trusting any of those things. Now, if your job is in jeopardy or you're going through something, I will, I will be concerned. I will pray for you. I will counsel you however I can. I will do whatever I can. But I will not worry about that because those are not things that I am putting my trust in. They might be things you're putting your trust in, but they're not things I'm putting my trust in. I got my own things I'm putting my trust in that is wrong. Okay? So what you do when you give it over to God, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's changing your even ifs to or your what ifs to even ifs. Because okay? worry is what if. What if this? What if that? What if the other? What I do when I put my trust in God, what I'm doing is saying, even if, even if this doesn't happen, even if it doesn't work out, even if that person does not come along, God still cares about me. And it's going to be okay. Not in just yielding to the fates, but in trusting my life to God. See, that's what Jesus is getting. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? What he's saying is don't let those things define your life. Your life is more than that. Your life is more than the things that you are worried about. When you are worrying, you are relying on the wrong things to define your life. And when you do that, he says, then you are no different than people who don't believe in God. That's what he says. For the pagans run after all these things. Now, that sounds like a real coarse word, but the word pagan is just simply a description. That's Jesus' term for the people who don't believe in God. Say, listen, people who don't believe in God, they put all their stock, they put all their life, they chase after all that stuff. They, that, that defines their life. But you've got a different perspective. You, you, you've got a different hope. You've got a, you've got a different sense of security. And it doesn't come from the things that everybody else pursues. He says, when you do that, you're acting no differently than those who don't believe in God. But you have something different. So he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, what's interesting is that term, seek first, and in the sentence before, the pagans run after. In the Greek language, the original language our Bible's written in, it's the exact same word. What he's saying is, this is what people who don't have a hope in God have. They pursue all of this stuff. This is their life. This is what defines their life. This is everything that drives them. But you, you've got a different drive. Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. What is that? What does that look like? How do you do that? Very simply, it says, the kingdom of God is anywhere that I will allow God to rule in my life. Any area of my life in which I will let go of the controls and let him be the king. It's his kingdom. See, that's what it is. To seek his kingdom is to turn over those areas of my life that I keep trying to control. And his righteousness, righteousness is simply the behaviors and the attitudes of those that are consistent with their belief in God. See, righteousness isn't about, you know, being otherworldly. 
Righteousness is simply obeying and, and living and, 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 and um, believing and working it out in, such, that is, in a way that's consistent with what I say my hope and trust is. This, this, that, that's how you live your life. That's how you let go of worry. You just keep turning over those areas of your life that you have no control over anyway. And then behave and act in such a way that's consistent with that belief. That's your hope. Worry is always chasing after the future. And the reason it's so futile is the future never comes. Another quote. Someone said, "Um, today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. (laughs) Did any of that worrying you did yesterday, did it change anything about today? No. So he says, just trust God. Even if. Even if it doesn't work out. Trust that God is still at work, that he still loves you, that he still knows what you need, that he still cares about you, and he will provide what you need when you need it. So he finishes with this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Would you bow your heads with me? You were never intended to live life on your own. You were created to live your life in a relationship with God. You were created to live life with God, to know his love, his mercy, his grace, his care. And those worries that tend to run your life, it really comes down to your trust in the wrong things. Today, I want to invite you to let go. Now, I understand because I've got my own worries from time to time. And I know there sometimes there are seasons that are more intense and worry than others. But today, what Jesus is trying to do is help us understand how this worry stuff all works. And it really comes down to your trust. What if, what if you could get up tomorrow morning and truly believe that God knows what you need cares about what you need and would take care of you no matter what. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what worries you might be dealing with. And maybe you found yourself in that off the scale chart. You're up in that 65 to 80 range because of one particular thing or two particular things that are going on right now in your life. I want to invite you today to realize there's things you can do about that, but there's things you have no control over. That's the part you need to let go. I want to give you an opportunity today to let go. To just simply admit, God, this has consumed me. This is driving me. It It is wearing me out, and I can do nothing about it. I need to let go. And if that describes you, there's something going on in your life that you've been worrying so much about, and you need to let go. I want to pray for you as we close. And I'm just going to ask you to do this very simple thing. Just... Just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. And look up when you do so I can acknowledge it, so I can pray for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. Praying for you. You, you, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yep, yep, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
pray that the peace of God would just rest on you. That you would know deep down in the depths of your soul there's a God who loves you, who cares about you, and the very thing that you are facing right now. And that you could let that go. Now maybe you're here this morning and you don't know that kind of peace. You don't know that sense of trust because you've never taken a first step of faith. You can do that today. See, there is a God who loves you. He loves you so much he gave his one and only son who came and lived on this earth and taught us about God's love and his care and protection and then he demonstrated it on a cross. He gave his life. So you would need never doubt his love for you. And what he did in that act was he paid a price for your sin, for your failure, for your mistake, for your worries and your concerns, for your struggles, all of that, so that you could put your trust in him. And if you have never done that today, you can take a first step of faith. But you kind of got to do the same thing everybody else has done. You got to admit your need. So if you're here today, you're saying, for me, this is a first step of faith. I need, I need God's forgiveness. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I'm putting my trust in him. And maybe you've never done this before, but today it's a first step of faith for you. Same thing. Would you just raise your hand and hold it up? Catch my eye because I want to pray for you specifically as we close. First time. Anybody? All right. Yeah. So, Lord, here we are with our fears, our worries, our struggles, our hurts, our sin. And we are all in desperate need of your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't just tell us about it. You showed it to us. And I pray this morning for everyone who raised a hand. Many are already Christ followers, but they're struggling with issues or worries or concerns that just are starting to consume them. And, and much of it is about things that they can do nothing about. And just by raising a hand this morning, they're saying, I give up. And I know, Lord, I know our tendency is to let it go and then to take it back, and to let it go and to keep taking it back. But my prayer is that you would flood them with such a peace and a confidence that you care more than they do, that you love them more than they could possibly imagine. And that even if things don't work out, you're still in control. And you are still providing. And you have something else in mind. Let that confidence and that peace rest on us today. And for those who raised a hand saying, this is a first time step of faith for me. I've never done this before, but, but I know I need to turn this over. Here I am. It's my sin, my need, my worries. God, I want to put my trust in you. Thank you, Jesus what you did for me on the cross. Today, I'm choosing to follow you. Lord, let them in that prayer know that you have answered it and that you are with them and they need never be without you again. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. You